learning to calm down the nervous system and reestablish a new normal is going to be essential for actually understanding how you feel safe, yeah. right? Because you can't operate on chaos all the time. That's your, you're going to become adrenally fatigued. You know, your cortisol is going to be through the roof. I'm guessing perfectionists have a hard time losing weight or sticking to a diet. That just makes sense to me because you're, you're constantly inuated with cortisol. Welcome to the Life Coach Baker podcast. I'm Nicole Baker, life coach for perfectionists who want to set goals and actually follow through with them. I went to my first personal development seminar at the age of one. Yes, I was quite literally born into this industry. But by 15, I started to implement this mindset mumbo jumbo I'd heard so much about and it worked. As a recovering perfectionist myself, I've been able to set goals that are way out of my comfort zone and achieve them by doing things imperfectly, without self-judgment, and without the fear of their opinions. And now I help others to do the same. So if you are capital D done feeling like a hostage to this a-hole called perfectionism, then this show is for you. My goal is for you to leave each episode with tactical action steps that you can start to implement in your life now. I may be in my 20s. I may have the voice of a sassier Cinderella, but I've been doing this personal development-ish since I was a toddler. So let's dive in. What is up, my sweet friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Life Coach Baker podcast. Today, I am sitting down with trauma coach for men, Elise Michaels. We have heard so much about perfectionism through the show. It's a show for perfectionists. Who would have thunk it? But a lot of the time there are those presuppositions that this is a more female-dominated issue, perfectionism. And Elise is here to just totally wipe that myth off the table. And I'm really glad she was able to come on and talk about it because there is so much of this perfectionist idea in all genders, men, women, people who are non-binary. I mean, there's so much in this field. So I'm really glad that she was able to come on in and talk. Before we dive in the episode, I want to do a quick little rehash or a quick little update for you guys who have been following the show for a while. You know, I did a half marathon this weekend. Ah, yay. Woo. At least the weekend that I am recording this. It'll be two weekends ago from when you're listening to this. We love time delay. Um, I thank you so much for everyone who reached out. It was so incredibly kind that you guys were thinking of me and just that filled my heart with so much joy. Um, it went really, really well. About three miles in, I was feeling like I could run 20 miles. I mean, it was like one of the best runs I've ever done in my life. I ended, um, within not only my goal time that I had, but my stretch goal time, which felt freaking amazing. And I still had gas in the tank to spare. I was like, I could go for hours. And who knows if it was race day adrenaline, like who knows, but it was, it felt so, so good. Now on the flip side, (laughs) um, for those of you who have never done a race or who didn't know anything about recovery, like I did going into being a runner, um, there is a lot of recovery stuff you got to do. Like not run or not run as long or not run anywhere near as long or take Epsom salt baths and roll out and use a hypervolt massage gun, stuff like that. 
Um, I got stubborn and didn't roll out and didn't do the Epsom salt baths and barely did any of the massage gunning. And um, today was supposed to be my day of like my first day back at running. I've done a few walks and kind of like get my body moving, but this was my first day back at running. And I was like, oh yeah, like this will be good. I'm going to go two or three miles. Like it'll be great. Like that's really easy for me now. I just ran a half marathon, bitches. I got 0.2 miles and my side ached. I have had, I had a side stitch like I never have had a side stitch before to the point where I literally was like, like this sucks that I stopped. And it, it was almost humorous to me because it made me realize there are some days where, where we can run half marathons. There are some days where we feel like we can take on the whole fucking world And then there are days where we run 0.2 miles and then we need to slow down and walk, still holding our head up high and still enjoying the crap out of it. I listened to Mel Robbins' new book and just had a blast of a time, but I had to slow down. And I just want to point this out because sometimes we can get into the, if I'm not running a marathon every single day, then I'm a lazy and I'm a failure mindset. And I'm not going to lie. A few years ago, if I was in the same situation, I would have pushed myself to run three miles. And heck, I probably would have been like, watch out. I can do five. (sighs) I'm feeling deaf. But I would have pushed myself beyond what I should have and done something because half marathon was the standard. And I decided to instead listen to my non-perfectionist brain and listen to the brain that's done so much inner work to kick that little bitch out of there. And I slowed down and I walked and I enjoyed the crap out of it. In fact, I actually even loved it more because I was able to really like take a breath and slow my mind down and look around. I even paused the book a few times to just like feel the wind on my face like I was just in a fucking Disney movie. I mean, like it was amazing. And I say this because there are some of you who are listening, who are demanding half marathon peak performance of yourself every single day. And that is just not sustainable. You can have days where you're like, I could run 15 marathons and this feels so good, but that's not the new bar. Those days are allowed to happen and God bless them when they do, but it does not have to be all or nothing. So I just want to remind you guys that if you need to take some time and slow down and not demand a half marathon energy out of yourself today, that's okay. In fact, that's normal. That's probably intelligent and wise. And you get to decide that that feels like the intelligent move, that that means you're being a smart, healthy, focusing on your future vitality human being. So just stepping off my high horse here, but letting you know, stop demanding the half marathon, friends. So with that story wrapped... (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and just welcome to the stage, badass coach, Elise Michaels. Well, Elise, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited that you are here. I love asking this question to every single one of my guests because the best person to explain who you are and what you do is you. So my question is, who are you and what do you do? (laughs) Well, thank you. Uh, My name is Elise. I, oh my God, I literally like, I had a brain fart. I'm like, who am I and what do I do? <laughs> Not so you saw other people explaining this. I thought Not you knew. <laughs> I thought you knew. 
Not the first time that's uh, happened on the show. No worries. You're good. No, my name is Elise. I am a trauma-informed men's coach and I help guide men to their purpose and passion by releasing subconscious trauma. Uh, so that's a big passion in, uh, of my life for the last year and a half. I've coached over a hundred men. Um, and it's the best thing I've ever done. What an interesting niche <laughs> you have. <laughs> how, how did you get into this specific field with working with, with men specifically on, especially trauma? Cause that is such a high emotional topic that we'll get really into this. I'm sure in this episode, men typically don't open up about. So I'm really curious I know. To know why, how you got into this. I love it when people ask me this because it's so interesting. It's like, I kind of took like the Steve Jobs route where I fell into it. Um, you know, like it was just one of those things where I had quit my corporate job and I was into coaching and I was actually going for women. Um, yeah. But it wasn't when I was posting my content on LinkedIn, it wasn't women asking me for help. It was men. Um, and so I was like, this is so odd. Uh, why would they ask me for help? I can't help them. Right. I had all these like limiting beliefs yeah. because I'm a female. What male is going to listen to me? And they're so much older than me. Uh, but then, you know, I realized that men have basically very little to no support in the mental health arena. And the fact that I had this very, I guess, open personality um, that was quite non-judgmental, people felt comfortable enough to come to me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just full, full on opened my doors and said, I'm a men's coach so that they could actually see someone um, was there for them. Yeah. Right. And, and so that's kind of like how it just developed. Wow. You really did Steve job this. That's freaking amazing. <laughs> how did you become a coach? in its, in itself, in its own before specifically going into working with men? Um, I've always been involved in self-help, uh, addicted to self-help, just, you know, <laughs> just like your past, like, um, I had a very dysfunctional family growing up and I didn't really realize that because, you know, it's just your family and you're like, well, this is normal. It's fine. Um, but I left when I was 18 and moved halfway across the country by myself. So it's kind of like, I've always been independent, always done things by myself. Um, and so I've always been a self-learner um, until I was like 25. And I realized like after uh, cycles of dysfunctional relationships that I was like, okay, I need like outside help. So I got a therapist, um, which really helped, but didn't completely solve all my problems. So here I was diving into self-help again. That's when I took um, REBT classes, cognitive behavioral therapy classes, um, and started to become trauma-informed and realized that holy crap, you can really solve these problems. Like you can have a step-by-step -step plan to solve the problems. You don't just have to be mysterious about it, right? So um, I became a coach kind of by solving my own pain. Yeah, that's um, pretty typical, I feel like for sure. <laughs> you know, and so that, that's just kind of how it happened. I was in a corporate job and I, I've always been an entrepreneur and um, I solved my own pain. So it wasn't like a thing where you know, I just wanted to like make money. And this is me being an entrepreneur. It was just like, I actually had the skill set this time to help people. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, and it just kind of fell, it was the right timing. Like it just kind of fell into my lap. Wow. And you said you've been working specifically with men for a year and a half. Yeah. Like a year and a half. That is awesome. Holy mackerel. Who girl. Well, okay. I want to, I want to dive into the, the ins and outs, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because 
I was just telling you right before we hopped on recording that in this podcast, while we don't really have a gender that we typically talk specifically to as a female who's gone way into her perfectionism and recovering and now beyond the, it's always been kind of female centric. Well, maybe not Mm -hmm. having like a specific gender attached to it for sure. But I'm, my question for you is how does perfectionism show up in men? Cause Lord knows it does <laughs> like, but how does it show up specifically for them? Right. So, um, men definitely have perfectionism, uh, and it will show up in them by inaction, right. As it does with females, yeah. you get so overwhelmed, uh, and you want to be so perfect that you just don't do anything. Right. Yeah. Or you make iteration after iteration and then you become overwhelmed and you stop. Yep. <laughs> um, so, you know, the thing about perfectionism is like, so many people might not even see it because it's just, they see it as maybe laziness or complete inaction sometimes because it's the fear, right? The fear to do things, the fear to move forward. Um, And where I find it in my clients, because my clients are typically business owners with, you know, large, (laughs) large incomes. And there's a lot of pressure to do things correctly, Mm. right? So the fear comes from taking a leap or making a new decision, um, or even in relationships where, you know, you don't want to do anything wrong. So you become completely codependent and do everything for the other person. Yeah. Oh boy. I've like five ex-boyfriends just flashed before my eyes. <laughs> like, um, wow. Okay. I have so many questions. Where do I start? Um, you, you work with specifically like high level executive men, right? Right. Usually. So I know that there's also a lot of like the overachiever in that, right? So how yeah. do you see this like inaction and overachieving kind of, do you see them as like two different personality types? Do you see them almost like head to head? How do you see that? Um, I kind of do see it as two different personality types, but the end result usually turns out the same. I think Interesting. Okay. because inaction leads to, you know, self neglect and self deprecation and like not living a fulfilling life because when you're not doing anything, your passion's not being fulfilled and you get, you know, you get angry at yourself uh, because you're not doing anything. It's just like a whole negative cycle, right? And when you're over, you know, when you're an overachiever and you're constantly looking for this fulfillment outside of yourself, like I need this to be worthy. I need this to be worthy. um, You drive yourself into the ground so you get burnt out. And both of them, our lack of self-worth and self-confidence. It's just two extremes of the opposite ends. I feel like that's a universal thing. Like yeah. not even just talking men and women, I'm talking like a lot of our like needing external validation in X way or putting expectations out into the world and having them be way too high, like unrealistic. I feel like so much of it just stems from that like lack of self-worth if someone is kind of having this like light bulb cross moment, aha, kind of while we're talking, what would you say their first step would be? If they're like, fuck, I have no self-worth. <laughs> What's step one? Well, the step one is always acknowledging it. Like, where yes. is my drive coming from? Right. And if you feel like it's coming from lack actually, and not the cup overfloweth, mm-hmm. and you'll know because it, you will be burnt out. You'll be tired. You'll probably be hating your life or angry or resentful, et cetera. If you're feeling any of those emotions, you are not pouring from a cup overflow. It's nope. <laughs> you're just not, you're pouring from an empty cup. Yeah. Right. And so what I always suggest is the first thing to all of my clients is taking time back for self, mm. right? Because usually either, either one of those, 
even even you might think the lazy person oh all they do is time for themselves but not really no you know like like numbing and right right distraction is not dedicated time for self so like playing video games (laughs) drinking etc that is not quality relaxation time that is not quality decompression time it's avoidance it's distraction um sometimes it's fine but you need to get that quality self-care time in and men need it um because usually there's trying to support everyone around them so even if you're in a state of being like lazy quote unquote for five years but you haven't done a single day of dedicated um i need to fulfill my own needs i need to set boundaries i need my core values then you're never going to feel rested you're never going to feel taken care of you're never going to feel fulfilled so um i say 30 minutes in the morning before the whole world takes its poop on you to uh what you know, a gorgeous way of saying that <laughs> address well i say it more vulgar in my i love it own. you can be vulgar on this podcast <laughs> Well, before the world shits on you, there you go. <laughs> take some time for yourself. Prepare that umbrella, you know, by um, doing a brain dump in the morning, taking some deep breaths, acknowledging where you're at with your life, and then you can set goals. And then you're set, um, saying to your subconscious, "I am a priority." Oh, you're writing down things. Write that down. That's good. <laughs> Anyone listening, that is so good. Well, because like a lot of the times. I don't know if you've come across this because you work with a lot of like very high level executive men. They tend to be more morning people. And I'm not going to say that's a total. Well, I work with all different levels of men. I mean, most of the time it's executives, but I've worked with uh, many different kinds of men. Then this, I'm curious because what I see a lot of perfectionists come to me and they're like, I want to start a morning routine. And I'm like, great. Like what time are you currently waking up? Let's get just like a picture of where we're currently at. They're like, okay, like I'm waking up at like 10 or 11 and I want to wake up at 5.30. And I'm like, mm, no, 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 baby steps, no. baby steps. And what I see often is people be like, well, I'm if I'm going to have a morning routine and if I'm going to have time for myself in the morning, it has to be at like five or six. And it's like, no, like a morning routine is whatever that morning time is to you. Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. I- but you know, there is something to be said about like, waking up earlier, but there's no way you can just jump like a five hour difference or even like a two hour difference is very, very difficult. Start by 15 minutes earlier, Mm -hmm. you know, because the last thing that you want to do when you start making changes in your life is set yourself up for failure right away. (laughs) You want to set yourself up to win. So just start off with some light wins, 15 minutes today. 15 minutes, three days from now in each day. Wow. You got up earlier. Great job. You're still making progress. Literally. Thank you. I love <laughs> the way you phrase that because I say this to perfectionists all the time. Cause they're like, okay, I have They all always set themselves up for failure. Oh, perfectionists. Well, like, their number one thing is I'm going to set myself up for failure literally. today. And it's like, <laughs> they come, but it comes in the conscious mind is like, I'm going to go after 25 goals. I'm really motivated today. And then it's like, Ah, and then just all hell breaks loose because going after, uh, I think I might've said this on your Instagram live. I can't remember the herding cats example. Mm-hmm. I've said it enough on this podcast. No one needs to hear it again, but basically <laughs> stop hurting a million cats, go after one cat. And sometimes that's a really hard pill to swallow because it feels easy, not like easy, like oh, this is like easy breezy, beautiful cover girl. Very like, it, it's filled with ease. It doesn't feel like you're pushing, 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 pushing. And they're like, well, I'm not going after my goals because I'm not burnt out. And I'm like- mm. Right, well, because perfectionists are addicted to dysfunction. 
Say that again for the people in the back. <laughs> Perfectionists are addicted to dysfunction. Talk that out. <laughs> essentially <laughs> means your body is used to a heightened level of anxiety. In my coaching, we call this Hulk versus Bruce Banner. And this is um, in, in psychology. That's what it is too. It's, it's the terms for when your body is just basically triggering chemical re um, responses all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So this is like, Bruce Banner is calm, collected, chill. He can make decisions. He can be logical. He's organized, right? He's fine. Um, Hulk is like, only got one thing, Hulk smash, right? Yeah. There's no thought process. It's totally reaction. It's freaking out. Um, and most of us, unfortunately, are operating somewhere in the middle, right? We've got kids, we've got spouses, we've got bills to pay, we've got work. And we've just accepted the middle as normal, right? Uh, a kind of low level of anxiety and stress. Perfectionism operates right below Hulk all the time. So if one thing is out of order, boom, Hulk, yeah. boom, I'm overwhelmed, boom, right? And they think that this heightened level of stress is normal because that's what they've set as their standard, but really it's meant to be all the way down here. Yeah. So the thing is um, learning to calm down the nervous system and reestablish a new normal is gonna be essential for actually understanding how you feel safe. Yeah. right? Because you can't operate on chaos all the time. That's your, you're going to become adrenally fatigued. You know, your cortisol is going to be through the roof. I'm guessing perfectionists have a hard time losing weight or sticking to a diet. That just makes sense to me. Um, because you're, you're constantly inuated with cortisol stress. Yeah. Um, and that's also when, like, if your spouse doesn't put the socks away, you're blowing up. Yeah. Right. If, if the pens aren't straight, you're blowing up. Mm -hmm. Walmart doesn't have my notebooks. I'm blowing up. Right. <laughs> These things are not a big freaking deal, but they're the compound effect of not ever letting the um, response system calm down. And whenever you get triggered like that, your body takes 24 to 48 hours to digest that. Yeah. So you're always going to be, you're, you're more sensitive. So the fact that we don't know that, and then we keep triggering ourselves over and over again, right? But like letting ourselves get back down to Bruce Banner, like once someone doesn't put the socks away, then we're only up a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's not a big deal. And the idea is not to just always, oh, we're just going to prevent the Hulk and stay up here. No, we want to train our body to get tacked down to Bruce Banner because then you won't feel the need to hurt a bunch of cats because not every goal on that list yeah. is a priority. It's not. I just want Sorry, just that, that whole, <laughs> that whole monologue, get it tattooed on my arm right here. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I couldn't agree more because, well, and especially what I see very often is people when they're living up here in this heightened state, like right before the Hulk, mm -hmm. when they're realizing that they need to go down to Bruce Banner, they freak out because they find so much of their identity and self-worth in that right pre-Hulk. Yep. And going down to here, this lower Bruce Banner state lower, I'm using up, up and downs because people can't see me on the it's podcast. It's called the window of tolerance. If anybody can picture a window. Oh, I love that. So like, like the wind there, if they're so scared to go down to like the, the window, window is closed. Crack. We need okay, to have yes. the window closed. <laughs> so Their windows are the wide door. open. The storm <laughs> is pouring in, right? Like the more we open the window, the more the storm comes in. Let's, that's a good, that's a good picture. I love this metaphor. That is, <laughs> put that in your back pocket. That's a great <laughs> metaphor. But like, people are so afraid to go down to the window being closed because Oh, this is at least what I've heard a lot. What if I'm not driven anymore? Mm -hmm. Yes. I, this men say, what if I lose my edge? This yes! is how I built my edge. Ah, and I'm like, no, 
No, your, your drive, your motivation, your, uh, your ability to keep persevering forward will not go away. It's the stress around it that will. And it actually becomes fun and easy and fulfilling. You're able to live in the present moment. Are you running around trying to achieve your goals, but feel like you're accomplishing nothing and making no progress? Or are you approaching every task on your to-do list with the urgency of a house fire causing you to burn out quickly? Or are you beating yourself up because you're not where you want to be and you're constantly telling yourself you're behind? Or are you overwhelmed by your big goals and it's causing you to procrastinate on what you really truly want? If I just added you in any way, hear me on this. You are not alone. And it's for those exact reasons why I created Goal Smasher, my step-by-step technique to help you set clear goals, create and implement an overwhelm-free plan, and learn the secret for keeping your motivation high and consistent. And now, Goal Smasher is live and available to everyone. By the way, this is the exact technique that has led my clients to starting and going full-time in their dream businesses, being featured on top publications, hitting record-breaking monthly revenues, going from unemployed to making over six figures, losing 80 pounds in under a year, moving across the country to their dream state, receiving their doctorate, making healthier lifestyle choices that add up to big energy boosts, and so much more. With Goal Smasher, you will get a crystal clear plan for what you want. Create a strategy on exactly how to get there. Plus, you'll learn the secret sauce for how to stay motivated and fulfilled, not just until you reach the finish line, but throughout the whole process. The best part, Goal Smasher is a tool you can use over and over and over and over again with each new goal you have. Goal Smasher is available now, check it out by going to lifecoachbaker.com forward slash goal smasher or click the link in the description. Now, back to the episode. I knew I was going to get on such a high feel at a stool talking to you. <laughs> well, that's exactly what I tell my clients too. But the thing is, they don't understand that, right? Because they're like, I don't understand what it's like uh, to be like that. So I don't like it. I don't want it. I don't need it. I'm going to stay here. What I tell the, what I tell my clients is like, you're only operating with half your potential, right? Because you've blocked half of yourself from feeling right. Because our frontal lobes aren't lit up. Our prefrontal cortex is not working when we are stressed out. So imagine part of your brain is literally not functioning when you're up here. So when you're down in Bruce Banner, you can make logical decisions not everything is a panic mode. And what happens when you can be logical about something? You can figure things out easier. You get more creative. And when you when you explain it in like in logic, I think people can understand a little bit better. Yes, I, I completely agree. And I, are you, are you, I don't know if you use this in your coaching often, like the masculine feminine energy kind of style. Sometimes thing. depends on what context you're talking about. Super fair. Well, I just noticed that a lot of people who are like the, uh, I actually, I'm going to take this in a different different way. But like, that feels very like the all or nothing. It's like, I'm yes. either window completely open or my window is shut, yes. you know? And it's like, no, what we're actually doing is just like, we're closing the window a little bit, a little bit at a time, but it starts off like centimeters and then you get to inches and then you get to that last little like closing. And 
oh my God, it's just so worth it. (laughs) I love that you said all or nothing. And when you, right when you said that part about feminine masculine, uh, yeah, this is a sign of, um, too much masculine. Yes, 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 yes. Well, and I noticed this even for females. Yep. Well, and that's, I I should have prefaced with masculine, feminine energy. That is not like males have masculine, females have feminine. That's, it's not that binary. It's very like my little Muppet hands. (laughs) (laughs) People can't see this. It's just to use your imagination. Um, but like it can, like women, we have the ability to tap into both masculine and feminine. Same with men. They can tap into masculine and feminine. But what I've learned is that there's always like this polarization that needs to happen. So especially in relationships, a lot of women have been conditioned to be in heightened masculine energy because it's how we're seen as, I'm putting heavy air quotes, worthy in society, right? Because we need that drive. We need that perseverance, blah, blah, blah. But if we show up to a relationship with all masculine energy, men tend to either want to fight. And again, masculine energy, uh, would tend to either want to fight back or sink down into feminine, which typically is not their home base. I could go on a whole rant about this, but I want Right. No. And it's so interesting that you brought this up because I, I totally feel like we're digressing, but I love it. <laughs> um, because the thing is, yeah, like feminine masculine energy isn't based off of like tasks. It's, it's, it's just energy. And I love what you said, because there always has to be in the universe. This is just the law of the universe. that always has to be a balance. So if you're in a relationship and you've suddenly taken on a more masculine energy, right. Which is about energy. It's not about like, Oh, I have a a better job or I have this or I have that. It's like, um, but if you're, if the, this is heterosexual relationships, like that person, either they will level up their masculine Mm -hmm. energy to make yours more feminine or they will take on a more feminine energy, right? They will feel Mm -hmm. emasculated just subconsciously. Uh, right. Like this happens subconsciously. Right. And then you will take on a more masculine role if they're more feminine. And since it isn't in the natural, um, like biology of male and female, you know, that's when we can start to feel out of place in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and unfulfilled. That's when we can get the, like, Oh, he just never, takes charge. And again, this is very heterosexual relationships. I mean, (laughs) really my fiance and I, the total side note, have you ever taken, um, Tony Robbins date with destiny? Have you ever done it? No, it would, if you were a Tony Robbins (laughs) fan, you would really like it. But anyway, a few months ago, I was learning all about like the masculine and feminine. And I realized that I had been showing up to my relationship so rooted in masculine and my sweet, wonderful partner, who was very naturally a masculine man, would retreat back into feminine, and I would just get more into masculine energy, and he'd be like, no, and it was a disaster, but we had this conversation where I was like, wait, I realize I've been doing this. I am so sorry. Like, I want to I wanna correct this, and I want to, like, uh, fix things along along these lines, and we did a lot of, lot of deep conversation, a lot of, like, little two-degree pivots is what I call them. But now it's like so easy to catch myself when I'm like head heading into masculine and it's like, wait, no, I do so much better in our relationship when I'm rooted in feminine and same with him when he's in masculine. That's very interesting because my relationship had a very uh, similar dynamic. I think this is just what happens like with female entrepreneurs. We do have a lot of masculine energy and I don't think there's any shame in that actually Mm -mm. that, you know, you feel like you have a certain amount of energy, but for me that, that meant that like 
the man that I needed needed to be very rooted in his masculine so that I could finally relax into the feminine. And I didn't know that I needed that until I found my partner. So like, I'm not trying to control my masculine, like, oh, I need to hold back on this. Mm -hmm. I just need to feel safe enough to be like, okay, I don't need to control this relationship. I don't need to point its direction, you know? Um, but the thing is like our relationship did struggle for a time because, um, you know, my partner wasn't rooted in their masculine because they were very, you know, like we just had a lot of trauma, like every relationship has a lot of their traumas. And, um, but once he started finding his purpose and passion again, then he started to be more confident and that masculine naturally rose up where it was like, I didn't have to push him to be masculine anymore. Right. So I can still live in a high masculine energy while our relationship can be balanced because his is just more. And also he has a lot of natural feminine. I think we kind of balance each other all like that as well. Like he's gentle in places where I'm not. And I'm, I'm gentle in places where he's not sometimes. I, yeah, I, I feel that on a very deep level in my relationship. We're we're just like having a different podcast inside of one podcast. Like you could just cut the middle out and have that as a separate podcast about masculine and feminine energy. And then the perfectionism, like we just, cut the middle out and then put the front and the back together as the first podcast energy sandwich with perfectionism as the bread yeah energy I don't know if I like perfectionism that. sandwich <laughs> oh oh my god I I I, I want to get back into topic but I could just talk about that masculine effect because it shows up in perfectionism all the time because perfectionism is so rooted in survival mode that masculine energy tends to take over but not like the like really like I, I hate putting this kind of binary on it, but good masculine energy, the like, I must fight for my like Sparta, you know, like it has to be like a little bit more aggressive, even if it doesn't feel like it, you know what I mean? Right. Well, I love how you brought up like good versus bad. There's not necessarily good versus bad, but there's um, like, there's a shadow side. Like there's just too much mm-hmm. of something. Right. So like here, here's an example, like, masculine energy is, is like, do go push drive, right? Feminine energy is like, I can take breaks. I attract things to me. I don't have to push and I can think about things, right? Like we see things, we put the puzzle together. So for example, this is a funny story of like masculine and feminine, right? Like one time my boyfriend's back window wasn't rolling up, right? So, um, he was pushing it up with his hands and he's like a really strong guy. So he was like trying to force this thing up. And, uh, I just look at it like, cause he was trying to roll the window up with the front, um, button on the car, right? The front door. And I just look at it and I push the button for the back door and it just rolls up. Right. <laughs> and we're all just staring at it. Right. But that's like how feminine masculine energy that's works, so right? Like true. feminine takes the time to pause and think through things and solve things. Right. Yeah. Masculine is just like, go do like, I'm going to get this done. Right. It doesn't really take time to pause. So that's why you need both in yourself yeah. to figure things out. And that's how it kind of like shows up in, in my coaching and your coaching as well is like, finding that balance of the feminine and masculine helps balance perfectionism, helps men um, when they're embracing their feelings and thoughts to be better businessmen, to be better fathers, to be better spouses. Yeah. I say this part, or I say this quote so often on this podcast, it might as well be the title. And I might've even said it on the Instagram live with you, but life is mastering the art of when to speed up and when to slow down. And I feel like it's just, that's masculine and feminine energy. It's mastering the art of finding that, that inner balance. And it doesn't mean it's 50, 50 all the time, but it means that it's like in those 
in those situations, you, you call upon it. It's almost like you're choosing like yes. a card from a deck. Yes. I just and got then, chills. And, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, it, it's just, it's, it's calling upon a certain feeling. It does not mean it's 50, 50. Some times in our life might be a really hard winter and we might need more masculine to kind of trudge through the snow. Sometimes it might be a beautiful spring that we need to like really like bask in and feel the emotions and like let things guide and let the chips fall where they may. That's when we fall more into feminine. Like I, I even heard masculine and feminine be categorized as like hustle and flow. And I was like, yeah. Ooh, I like that a lot because like, you know, a lot of people when you first bring up masculine and feminine, that's why I always like to say like, there's no gender attached to it. It's just masculine and feminine energy. It does not mean yes. all men are masculine, all women are like, I mean, yes. two, two of my friends, like they're in a beautiful, beautiful homosexual relationship. One has more masculine, one has more. Right. Feminine. I was like, going to say that there's always needs to be a balance. It's always, no matter the gender of the, of the relationship by any means, we are so digressing. I do. <laughs> I have so many things. Um, I, I do. I really wanted to touch on this question and I'm sure you get asked it a lot, but why do you feel like there's not a whole lot of mental health resources or why do you feel like it's not really talked about specifically in the male identifying space? Uh, because men are shamed out of feeling any emotions besides mm -hmm. anger and aggression, you, right? Like it's not masculine. Yes, we have programmed men uh, to be ashamed of that innate language called emotion, right? Like big, big boys don't cry, be a man, don't be a pussy, right? Oh, and then God. we get angry women, uh, you know, especially in, in heterosexual relationships, women will get angry. Like he just doesn't connect to me. He doesn't understand. He doesn't listen. He won't talk to me. Uh, why? Because we've taught him ever since he was a boy that that's not allowed. You're not a good boy when you do that. You're not like, which equates as a child to like, I'm not loved or accepted if I do these things. Yeah. So why would there be, you know, and like, since men grow up with that too, they shame each other. So yeah. it's a continuous cycle of like, not being able to feel safe, to talk about these things, to feel vulnerable. It's definitely changing now. There are more groups out for men now. Um, but there is still an emphasis on like masculinity and the alpha male and like, Men and like I've seen like men just need to stop being pussies now and getting in their feelings, um, which is just really interesting to me because it's like, well, when did men ever get in their feelings in the first place? I would like to know when that movement started, like and like the talk about feminism, how it's emasculating men, which doesn't make any sense to me because you shouldn't be afraid that females coming into power is taking away your power as a male. You should be rooted in your confidence as a man that it doesn't matter what anybody else does. Like your woman, uh, you know, if you have a strong woman that should make you stronger as a man. Oh, I just got chills. I love, <laughs> but I, I so agree. A lot of this, it, it's just, it's so, uh, we keep going back to all or nothing, but it's so all or nothing. It's either like yeah. all females on top and men on the bottom or like males on top and women on the bottom. And they're like, yeah, it's just like, I, I think that the root of feminism and this huge, feminist movement is rooted in that equality I think it gets skewed a lot of the times and it's yeah that's the thing is like then there are like the extremists in every group right then there are oh, women yeah. who are like men are shit you know like they need to pay like they hurt women only like it should be a woman's world like no <laughs> we like in a relationship you cannot have like 
I'm the fucking boss. Listen to me. That's an abusive relationship. Yeah. Right. No matter what gender it is. And that's, that's a whole nother topic about, you know, men getting abused in relationships. Um, but the thing is, is like, if you want to solve a problem, you have to realize that you're on the same team. Men and women are on the same team. It's not each other. That's the problem. It's the problem. That's the problem. So when we look at that, we can solve it instead of making each other enemies because an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. I'm speechless. I, that was, <laughs> that last 30 seconds was just like, mic drop, mic drop, mic drop. Like, I, <laughs> I agree. I agree completely. And I can't, I honestly can't even say anything on that topic because you said it so perfectly. I guess my follow-up question to my initial question is, in the lack of the mental health resources for men, how can we, as the, the group of non-cis men, help mm-hmm. them? And how can cis men help other cis men? Yeah, I love this question when it comes up. Um, in order to, you know, before we add anything, we have to stop bringing in the crap, right? Like if you're on a diet, before you like think about the vegetables and salads you're going to eat, like you have to stop eating the Doritos and the ice cream and the cookies because you have to like detox, right? Yep. So we first have to acknowledge where we play our part. How are we shaming men? How are we playing into, um, you know, like basically representing that stigma that men shouldn't show emotions, that they can't be vulnerable, right? And we need to stop that. Um, and then we just need to be able to be like, create a safe space to listen, to be open, to be available for the men in our lives. Like asking how they really are, like letting them know that it's a safe space. If they need to talk about something that it's okay to cry, you know, like many men probably won't open up right away, but when you show up and continue holding that space, eventually they're going to need it. Yeah. Right. And if you're a man for another man, the best thing that you can do is be vulnerable with them, you know, do it with someone you trust, not like the most, uh, you know, like typical alpha guy, you know, who never cries, you know, like, and that guy probably needs it the most, honestly, but like someone that you can trust who, you know, like they're not going to get bothered by it because then they'll be able to open up to you. Right. And then you build confidence that like, Hey, this is okay. One of my dear, dear friends who's been on this podcast, he is in a men's support group where it's just like men learning personal development, but not so much like the, the like raw, raw, push, push, push. It's more of the like opening up and some men have shared stories that I, I, I can't even begin to comprehend. And they're just, they're so beautiful. And hearing his experience through this group, I'm just like every, I mean, every human needs something like this, but men specifically who have been taught to just shove, 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 shove. And I'm, I'm a big believer that you become the five people you hang out with the most and choosing those five people very wisely. And I feel like that is no exception for men also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. What are some of your favorite resources that met both? Uh, I, have, I have so many questions and they're each for different <laughs> identifiers. Um, I'll, I'll start with cis, cisgender men. What can, like, what are some resources that men can, can go find or, or dive into that can really help with that self-worth that that building that up that we talked about um well they can always contact me (laughs) (laughs) no no self-shame plug right there I have a men's group that I'm starting at the end of October the first one 
So I'm very excited about that. Yay. Yes. Um, cause it's all just been one-on-one so far. Um, yeah, talk about community and <laughs> I did not even know this. This is perfect. It's, it's brand new. It's brand new. I'm really excited. My one-on-one clients, they're going to join the group too. They're really excited because they get to meet each other. And, um, you know, it's really important for men to connect with each other. So if you find a group of men, um, that is so important. So I say, you know, bond and bond with people who, you know, don't represent the ideals and beliefs that you grew up with that just kind of emphasize the no crying, the no vulnerability, right? Like kind of branch out, see if you can find a support group. Um, some notable books that will change men's lives. Um, no more Mr. Nice Guy mm-hmm. talks all about how men kind of neglect themselves and how to get back into your confidence and your power and your purpose. Um, the five love languages to understand yourself better and your partner that will help so many relationships. The five, don't just take the quiz, read the book. Okay. I hate it when people say, Oh, I take the quiz. No, read the book. Cause then you get solid examples. Yep. You understand. Once I know some people are listening to this and they haven't read the book. They just done the quiz. I'm shaking my finger at you. <laughs> What's your love language? I have to ask. I have, well, there's usually two main ones. So mm-hmm. I feel like my second one like really wavers, but my first one is physical touch. Yeah. Like I didn't, and that was something I didn't know mm-hmm. in my relationship when I first started, like, because I think, um, I grew up in the Midwest and I think I just subconsciously was shamed to like anything physical. Right. So I didn't even know, um, like I would get mad at him cause he would get outside the car and he wouldn't hold my hand. And I was like, that that made me upset. Yeah. I was like, if he loved me, he would hold my hand. Yeah. And I, I didn't realize because I thought physical touch was on the bottom of my list. I was like, oh, I don't, I don't need that. That's fine. But no, I needed it. Once I realized, I was like, oh my God, I need you to hold my hand. Like I was, yeah. and now he holds my hand, right? Like he's able to fill that need because mm-hmm. I understand now. So your love languages, whoever's listening, might not be what you think they are because they might be just trapped by the identity, like you said, yep. and the beliefs of your upbringing, which we need to rip apart as we get older. I just fully believe that. Uh, read fucking tweet. I mean, just <laughs> so retweet. True. Retweet. I, I had a very similar experience with the five love languages. And that is, I thought my partner was quality time. I was like, he's absolutely quality time. No question about it. I am 100%. Oh God, what did I think? Of? Oh, words of affirmation. Absolutely. No, no questions asked. And then I took the quiz, read the book, and I was like, fuck. <laughs> That's not the case. I was, uh, you talk about top two, um, acts of service and gifts, which was like what yeah. I thought was in the bottom. Because I was like, I don't need a Gucci purse, which is true. I'm not a big like brands person. But one day my partner came home and brought me a cookbook and it had a note written in it. And it was just like, I wept I still think about that gift to this day it still gives me like the warm and fuzzies but he very similar to you is physical touch and I didn't realize that until he took the quiz and he read the book as well and now it's like oh I have no problem like you know like touching his leg when we're at dinner or like holding his hand because now it's just like I get to love him that way like it's just it's such right. a gift you know and gifts but um you know but <laughs> I love that you brought up gifts too because Um, that's why I said like my second one, I feel like kind of wavers because then I thought, I thought it was quality time. Um, but then I really like gifts too. And I didn't realize, um, but then my partner kind of like experimented on me because I give with gifts. Like that is my love giving like language. Like I fucking love to give gifts. I'm like, Oh, let me, Christmas is my favorite season. (laughs) I know, dude. I'm like, 
I love to like, I love to wrap things up and plate things special. And like, you know, I like mm. to think it's like the thought that counts. Like for me, I'm like, oh, I just want to know that you're thinking about me. Like whenever I went to the store, I would always get him something. Cause I'm like, oh, I know he loves gummies. Let me get those for him. And like, he yeah. would never get me anything. And I can't became like really resentful. Cause I was like, you don't think about me. Right. But like one day he surprised me with like flowers and chocolates and a candle. And I was like, oh my God, I love this. And then like, you know, he did that a few times. And the last time he was like, yeah, your love language is gifts. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. I love it though. I can't help it. It makes me feel good. I love it. But I mean, it does not need to be anything like extravagant. I feel like. Yeah, because he bought me like a bagel one day and I was like, thank you. I love you it. You are from the Midwest. Bagel. Oh my God. I, don't even, I loved that. Oh, because of how I said it. I'm sorry. I just had to call that. God attention. dang it. It's, <laughs> it's always that one word that I can never escape. Bag and bagel. Bagel. Bag. Ba- Bagel. <laughs> How do you say it? Bagel? Ba- bagel. How do you say it? I guess I say it like bagel. Bag- oh, bagel. that's a bagel. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. By and everything mean. bagel. <laughs> oh, and I'm going to go over to Janet's on Sunday and make some brownies because you know the Packers are playing. Don't forget, Jim. Jim oh likes God. that beer dip. I'm fucking crying. I oh, got the green bean so... casserole too. Oh. My, my heart and soul. Oh my goodness. My I could talk to you for hours. Wow. Um, I have two last questions for you. And these are the questions I ask everyone as we wrap up, which are our segments on the show. How did you get in your own way this week? And what is a small goal that we can celebrate with you? And I always ask these two questions because how to get in your own way. There's way too much perfectionism out in the world and way too much like perfect coaches, perfect people in the space that I like to humanize people a little bit and I like to bring them in their I like to put them in their place (laughs) all right tell me your shit (laughs) anyway what's your shit for the week and then uh how can we celebrate with you what's a what's a step forward or a goal you celebrated this week uh well that's perfect because I actually had my own coach this I think everybody should have a coach or a therapist or whatever so I had my coach today and just like the last year and a half um I've kind of like gotten into these negative self-beliefs Mm-hmm. Um, so how, like what I've been stuck in is like, maybe kind of like a perfectionist mentality, not that I have to do everything perfect, but that I need to get everything done before I can have success. That is perfect. Right. Like, yes, yes, yes. I need to do all mm-hmm. these things. And she said, um, no, you need to be in the energy of you already have all of that. Um, because if you, you know, like you, you can't accomplish things when you're just like out of that desperation energy. Right. And I was like, oh man, that's so true. How do I, I was like, how did I get here? Right. I'm like all negative on myself. Like I didn't mean to be here, but you know, like you just got to snap out of it. And it's good to have somebody else's perspective, like snap you out of it. Right. So that's what I'm celebrating is like getting back in the, oh, because I'm going to book my tickets to uh, Ecuador today and go to the Galapagos. Oh, <laughs> and then I'm going to go to the UK because I'm living my best life and I'm taking my clients with me. Oh, fun. Oh my gosh. Well, I, I want to touch on the, we can't feel, basically we can't feel happy until we've achieved X or feel right. until we've achieved. Have you ever learned about like rules and values? Our, our rules around Friend, our you values? You explain it. So there's this, there's this premise around, we have moving, we have values we want to move towards success, achievement, love, connection, joy, happiness, play, whatever. We have values. We want to run away from like the pits of hell. 
fear, uh, <laughs> rejection, embarrassment, humiliation, exhaustion, like things that we would avoid with a 10 foot pole if we can. But we have rules around fulfilling each of these needs. A lot of people have really easy rules for things that will make them feel good. So let's say, or excuse, excuse me, really hard rules for making them feel good. So let's say for instance, my value that I'm wanting to move towards, it used to be achievement. My rule for meeting achievement was I have to be the best in the world at what I do. I want to let that sink in for, I I was 24 when I made this, 24 when I made this list and I was like, I need to be the best in the world and then I can feel achievement. And I was like, okay, whoa. And then I realized what am I moving away from was humiliation. In order for me Mm. to feel humiliated, I needed something to flop on social media or I needed someone to see me making a mistake. As an entrepreneur, do you know how fucking easy that is to fulfill? So we make it really hard to feel good and really easy to feel bad. So I love it whenever people talk about like, oh God, in order for me to feel fulfillment, I need to be successful. And I'm always like, what are your rules for defining success? (laughs) Like, but it's, it's a really interesting, interesting framework. And I encourage everyone to kind of jot down some thoughts. You know, you have to, you have to remember to do it again and again as a practice, right? Because like, you know, like I said, how did I get here? It's like, because if you're not, if you're not consistently like staying in that vibration and doing things in a way that emphasizes that you can easily just like go backwards, right? Like if you're not consistent with your diet, like your mental diet needs to be on point. Right. So that's why I have a coach now who's kicking my ass. Like it almost feels like back into what I used to be, but like, at the same time, you have to recognize that like every, every cycle that you go through is a step forward. Like you're never going backwards, even if you feel like you were at some place before, because now you have the tools to not go back there again. Right. What's the, what's the quote? New level, new devil. Whenever you hit a new level. I've never heard that, but that's cool. New level, new devil. New level, new devil. devil. Anytime you hit a new level, everyone's like, I will find total bliss and peace there. And it's like, smack you in the face with like, here's another limiting belief. And it's like, fuck, but it's true. New level, new devil. I'm never done uncovering my beliefs, both empowering and limiting, but I'm always going to look at the limiting ones and figure out why are you there? And what can I do to make you not be here anymore? Because well, and see them as like a gift too, because each time you conquer that, like, wow, like you're here to show me how I can grow. Like you're here to show me how I can elevate instead of like becoming so overwhelmed, like, oh my God, I feel this. And I'm, you know, overwhelmed and I'm uninspired. And I'm, you know, like part of me booking the tickets for Ecuador today is because I was putting it off. I'm like, oh, I'm going to book it next week after I get done. Like, but it's like, she's like, no, you have to book it before you get done because you have to remind yourself that you don't need to be, to like achieve all these things. And then you get the prize. Like, you know, part of the, part of like the prize of like your life and your own business is that you do life the way you want. Right. And like, then you're aligned and then your business aligns too. So like, she's like, what you've been doing already isn't working. Um, so why are you going to keep doing more of that? It's stupid, <laughs> right? Like everybody who's a perfectionist knows this. Sometimes it works. Most of the time it doesn't. You burn out, you get a lot of stuff done, but you burn out and then you got to yeah. take a break and then you shit on yourself. Cause now you feel like you're at the bottom and you haven't accomplished anything. And it's a big cycle of terribleness. Instead, you could just go slow and steady and win the race. My tears, my tears of joy that someone else has preached. To I love how dramatic you are, dude. You're definitely <laughs> went to acting school. You are definitely I that really drama did. kid. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> 
It's like this chick did improv. Oh my like God. that's all I see. Like sweet. sweet. And she acting or is it genuine? You'll never know. No, I'm I'm sorry, <laughs> it's genuine. Oh my God. I I adore you. Um, last question. How did you get in your own way? Or is it did, the didn't you ask me that? Is it is that, it the that was the belief system? system. Okay, got yeah. it, got it, got it. Um, it was such, it was spun so beautifully into a goal I that I was like, I didn't even catch the part where it was know, getting in my way. <laughs> no, it was perfect. Um, I just adore you. I know people are too. How can they find you? Where are you on the internet? Uh, so you can find me basically anywhere. Elise Michaels, but spelt incorrectly. Okay. Michaels as in M I C H E A L S, not A E L S E. Like, so if you look at it, Mike heels, Mike heels. I don't know what, like, I literally didn't do that on purpose, but that's a good way to remember it. I, the, 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 the way you delivered that was just like, I know, I know. (laughs) Well, I just know people are going to look it up and they're going to be like, I can't find her. Or they're going to find some old lady or some shit. And uh, that's not me. I mean, I would be impressed if you thought I was very old, I guess. And I still sounded like this. However, um, Elise Michaels, M-I-C-H-E-A-L-S on LinkedIn, TikTok, EliseMichaels.com, Facebook, but I don't ever go on there. So please connect with me somewhere else. (laughs) So anywhere but Facebook, please. Oh my God. Um, And then where can uh, any men listening to the podcast, where can they find out about your future community program coming up? Yeah, any of those. Just send Beautiful. me a message. <laughs> Sounds good. Oh my gosh, Elise, thank you so much for being here. I just enjoyed the talking the crap out of you. This was so great. <laughs> I know. I love I love chatting with you too. We need to do like lives and stuff more often. I just would love to, just shoot the shit. Shoot the shit. <laughs> I love that. Oh my goodness. Thank you, lady. What an amazing human. <laughs> Elise, thank you so much for being on the show. I hope you guys got some really juicy, good nuggets out of that one. And just, I I think that she's just doing such amazing work in the world. So if you guys are interested in following her, I highly recommend doing so. She is at Elise Michaels underscore, or you can click the link in the show notes to find her on the Schminstagram and check her out because she posts really funny reels and they're great. You guys, thank you so much for listening. If you have not Do not forget to rate and review the show. It helps so much with getting us up there on the charts and helping the show be found by more and more people. And for those of you who have done that, thank you so much. It's like the biggest hug and it feels so, 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 so good. Thank you so much for listening to the Life Coach Baker podcast. Don't forget to check out Goal Smasher, my step-by-step technique to help you set clear goals, create an overwhelm-free plan, and learn the secret for keeping your motivation consistent and high. Check it out by going to the link in the show notes or by searching lifecoachbaker.com forward slash goal smasher. Also, take a moment to rate the podcast and write a review. It is the best way to get the word out there. Plus, you'll get the chance of having your review read on the show. Until next time, I'll talk to you soon. Bye.